What's up, everybody? This is Sean Mangoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. My prayer is that you encounter God as a result of listening to this sermon today. Enjoy. All right, part four of Culture Conversations. We are in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and let's pray And before we get into the Word, and we will then get into the Word. Father in heaven, we invite the Holy Spirit here to speak to us, to give us revelation and insight into the Word. God, I pray right now that you would challenge the faithful, that you would challenge the God seekers, that you would challenge the Christ followers. Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that this word would would challenge them and spur them on to walk with you, to live for you, and to spend their life in giving glory to you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's wonderful people said amen. All right, here we go. So we're going to get into this. So 1 Thessalonians, um, once again, just to kind of look at the big picture here, because we're going to read through chapter 5 here today, is basically we see in this, this letter to the Thessalonians was a celebration of their faithfulness to Jesus, and in and that being in an environment, a city, a region of intense persecution, okay? Presumably, there were people in the church um, that have that had recently passed away, and the assumption is that they were martyred, okay? Um, and so Paul is celebrating their faithfulness to Jesus, and he's also, like this is a theme in Thessalonians, and you see this as a theme in all of Paul's letters to the early churches is a challenge to continually grow spiritually, all right? So this, this notion is at the core and heartbeat of the early church, okay? M- meaning the spiritual leadership, the authorities that be in the local church, and specifically, we're speaking of the Apostle Paul, Silas, and Timothy here in the context of this, in this ancient Greece, Greek city called Thessaloniki, um, was an encouragement of how far they've come and how they were staying faithful to the Lord, but also, like woven within this, the whole fabric of this letter is a challenge to continually grow. All right? And so in their world, these people were Greek, okay? And so there were Greeks and Jews that came to know Christ through the three weeks that Paul was there, but it was an idolatrous and polytheistic culture, meaning they were worshiping all the Greek gods, Zeus, Poseidon, um, Hades, all of these Greek gods. It was just within the fabric of every part of society, okay? And so our society is no different in the sense that this world is just open to whatever you want to do, however, 
doesn't matter. And even if what somebody's doing is in sense, it might not be a Greek God, but it is some other God drawing identity or, or, or value or even um, operating in some type of spiritual activity outside of the bounds of the scripture. And in essence, that is the worship of a false God. It's just like, it's just that in our, what we could call civilized society, it's, it's more like we're just, our culture is just as polytheistic as ancient Greek culture. It's just in a civilized society, it's just masked. Um, it's not blatantly, this is the God that we worship. It's just masked by what potentially society and in a civilized culture, it's just the cool, hip, new, modern thing to do, but it very well. Um, and some of it is just polytheistic. Um, it's, you know, you know, tarot cards, um, uh, astrology, it's, it's all the worship of other gods. And so, um, you know, it's just masked by everybody's doing it. It's the new thing. It's like what's happening in LA. But no, that's the worship of another god. And we as believers must draw hard lines and stay within the bounds of scripture that it's, it's the creator of the universe that we worship. And there is no other god before him. Can I get an amen? All right, so that's kind of the big picture. As we dive into this, I'm gonna read a good portion of 1 Thessalonians 5 right now before we kind of jump into our points and stuff, but let me do this and then we'll jump into the points. But 1 Thessalonians 5, 1, here we go. I'm gonna read all the way to verse 11. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Verse two, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Verse seven, for those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. Verse eight, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Uh, verse nine, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Verse 11, therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. And so my first point is this, is that eternal hope is our motivation. And so you see this in Thessalonians that uh, Paul is really emphasizing that we have an eternal hope, that Jesus is coming back. And he's basically saying, Look, no, he has not come back yet. And because there was this belief in Greek culture, when people died, that everybody pretty much went to Hades, this underworld. And if and if you were like somewhat righteous or something, then you could attain a higher level in Hades. But the, in Greek culture and the Greek gods and the pagan worship and everything, there there was no eternal hope as we have it in Christ. Okay, so they were still influenced in their minds. They're like, what about the people that have died? 
We're not going to see them again. But Paul is like, no, um, whether we sleep or meaning die, whether we die or we're alive when he returns, we shall all be together. And so he's speaking of an eternal hope in Christ, a, eternal hope through Jesus, that he is going to come back and uh, that this world is not our home and that our hope is not just based in this world. Our hope does not just extend to our natural life, but we have an eternal hope. And so what he's talking about here is, man, this is our motivation. You know, believers in Thessalonica, this is our motivation. This is our motivation. Like that, that as I said in the point here, eternal hope is our motivation for, for everything. We, we must be a people, you know, like this world is not our home, nor is this world the source of our hope, okay? And so our hope is beyond this life in Christ. And, and, and so it's like, we gotta live in the present as if that future day is already here. Um, what am I saying? We need to make decisions in this natural life and world we are in with eternity in mind. Um, we are people of eternity. We, we have come to know Jesus and we have eternal life in Christ. Um, you know, and so this way of life, this Christian life, this Christ following life is motivated by hope in the coming kingdom of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Right? So, so praise God, you know. This world is not our home. This world is not the end. Our hope is just not in our next opportunity or breakthrough or, or whatever. And those things are great in this life. And we, we, we achieve and we succeed and we do these things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But our hope is even beyond our answered prayers that happen here on the earth. This hope we have has already begun, right, in his resurrection. The, the truth is that if he's been raised from the dead, that in Christ we ourselves one day shall be raised from the dead. So this is what we see in the scripture, that we have an eternal hope. And we ended last week with that, that Jesus is our eternal hope. The world says there are many ways to eternal bliss, but... The gospel tells us, the Bible tells us the truth of walking with Jesus, encountering Jesus, is that our hope is not just in this life, that we will meet the Lord, that we will see him as he is. The Bible says that it is appointed for man once to die. After that, the judgment. We are eternal beings. The body without the spirit is dead. What does that tell you? We're leaving this body and we will be with Jesus for eternity. And we must be a people that are driven by this. We must be a people, you know, that are driven by eternity. We, we must keep this in mind. We must, we must. I mean, why? It's true. It's true. This is not our home, folks. And praise God that even as good as this world gets, as good as it can get, as exciting and just the experience of life, um, that we have a home beyond the borders of creation in this natural world. Hallelujah. All right. And so um, that's kind of how he's 
ending this letter and he and he and he's encouraging them being that obviously these guys are super um being persecuted in a huge way and he's encouraging them with their eternal hope all right so here's my next point and he gets into this here and we and so some of these things we're talking about here guys is just it's kind of it's continuing from last week really and it's it's a theme in Thessalonians and so when you read a book, like you kind of read a whole letter, you read the context, it kind of gives you a picture of the Christian life. It gives us a holistic picture of what it means to follow Jesus. And here it is. Here's my next point. We're going to read the scripture as we go down Thessalonians into verse 12 here in just a second. But here's the point. Following Jesus is counterculture. It, it always has been. It always will be. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Walking with Jesus is straight and narrow. Walking with Jesus is being in the world and not of it. Walking with Jesus is the world will hate you. And the system of the world is contrary to Jesus. Um, walking with Jesus is we will be hated. Walking with Jesus is people aren't going to understand us. Walking with Jesus is counter culture. Hence the title of this sermon series, you know, Culture Conversations, our journey through Thessalonians, okay? It is counter culture. It is different. It will be, why? Because God is holy. God is holy. The word holy simply means uncommon, different, okay? And so we're walking with Jesus spiritually. It's a difference between light and darkness. So the Bible says, you know, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, right? Come out from among them. Be separate, says the Lord, okay? Now, this doesn't mean you go just live in a cave and you know what I'm saying? But the truth is, though we walk this earth and we engage in this world and we engage in this world, we go out every day. We got jobs. We we're engaging. We're 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 here. We're 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 messengers of the kingdom of God. We're ambassadors of Christ. We are representative. We are divine representatives. We are kingdom representatives, right? We are representing the, the house of God. We're representing God. We're representing Christ in the earth. But at the end of the day, following Jesus is counter culture. Can I get an amen? And so 1 Thessalonians tells us this, like from the beginning, you know, of the early church, you see this, that following Jesus as king produces a counterculture or a holy way of life, okay? We, because of Christ, are different. This is the life. The Christian way is going to be counter. And, um... Hallelujah. All right, so let's read this. Let's read just some of what we see here um, that is counter culture. All right, here we go. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12, all the way to verse 21. Here we go. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Speaking of the spiritual leadership here at Thessalonica, those leading, pastoring, elders, whatever their specific structure was, there was... A, a leadership there. 
and it was saying that are over you in the Lord, meaning they were given charge over this community. And presumably, speaking of even Timothy going there to check on them. But here we go, verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in, in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Verse 14, now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. It's counterculture, why? Because as Christians, it's very clear between what is sin, what is not sin, what is right, what is wrong. As Christians, we don't just celebrate what other people do and feel good about if it is sin. So he's saying here, man, warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. Verse 15, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Here's some more here. Look at this. This is, this is counterculture. Verse 16, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. All right? Once again, it's counterculture. Come on, we're, 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 we're holy, man, like in the sense of God's hand on us and our lives are to be lived holy. How, is that, how does that look practically and how does that rejoice? Man, we're, we're, we're worshipers. We give God praise. Pray without ceasing. We're different. We're cold. Like, you know what I'm saying? We pray about stuff. You know, we don't just whatever, just deal with it. We just, you know, I'm just, I'm going to figure it out. We don't just have to figure everything out. Like we get, we, we get to pray about stuff. We, we seek the Lord. Man, this is counterculture. I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to, I'm going to find out what God wants. I'm going to just seek him just to be with him. I'm going to pray, pray without ceasing. Right, we're gonna, we're gonna pray and everything. Give thanks. We don't. We're, we're not called to complain and grumble and just get all messed up and depressed about everything that doesn't happen the, the way we want. No, we are called and in in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Also, verse nineteen. Don't do not quench the spirit. Verse 20, do not despise prophecies. Look, counterculture, man. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in prophetic utterances. We believe that people can be filled with the Holy Spirit, speak in other tongues, and prophesy. We believe that people, by way of the Holy Spirit, can literally declare the word of the Lord. It says here, don't quench the Holy Spirit. We're gonna move, be led by the Spirit. We're Spirit-led. We are, we, we, we are spiritual people. We are a spiritual house. We, we operate in, in, in prophecy. We flow in the gifts of the Spirit, right? We're open to this kind of holy spiritual activity. It's counterculture, right? We're not trying to fit in. We're not trying to make church be some palatable thing so everybody ag agrees with it, is happy with it, and even understands it. No, we're that we're gonna we're not gonna quench the spirit. We're 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 not gonna despise prophecies. Come on now, or, or despise any spiritual gift for that matter. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, laying on of hands, healing of the sick, like all of the these these kind of administrations of the Holy Spirit, man. We're down for it. 
right? Verse 21. And then I love this because there's a balance here. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Come on now, abstain from evil. If it's evil, I don't want it. If it's sin, I don't want to do it. Come on now. We're, we're, we're Jesus followers, right? We're followers of Jesus and following Jesus is counter culture. Can I get an amen, somebody? And so here's what we see in Thessalonians. Here's what we see about our current culture. Um, the culture then, the culture now, it's all still culture. It's, it's people, it's ideologies. It's, it's people that have yet to encounter Christ worshiping false gods. It's a society that's driven towards things that aren't of God, that our society uh, at, at large is not set out to glorify Jesus or to or that the gospel would be preached and people would, um, you know, it's just not, it's not the ways of the world, right? And so because our life is holy, uncommon way of life, it can produce emotions and thoughts in people, right? We see this, we see, we see that it's, it's going to produce suspicion, conflict, and maybe even intrigue. You know what I'm saying? I think I, 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 I would prefer intrigue over suspicion and conflict, but being a believer in a fallen world where the Bible says the enemy is the prince of the power of the air, is the prince of this world, okay? Um, and we, here we are, anti-devil, <laughs> right? Anti-evil, pro-Jesus, pro-salvation through Christ alone. Man, it is contrary. And we, you know, we must learn to embrace and navigate the conflict that the Christian life causes. Now, whether you're trying to cause conflict or not, because the Holy Spirit dwells within you and you are gonna go walk out in a dark and fallen world, I'm here to tell you, spiritually, there is conflict. We must learn as Christians to embrace and navigate the conflict because the conflict is there, the conflict will happen. We see this, we see Thessalonians. They had to navigate the conflict. The early church had to, the church has had to do that throughout the ages. Has the church done a bad job at times of creating our own conflict? because of our own humanity and our own religion that wasn't necessarily Christ, yes. But let's not create conflict that we don't need, but I'm telling you right now that living for Jesus, there will be conflict. There will be suspicion, misunderstanding. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Can I get an amen somebody? Are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing, are, are, are we willing to live with the conflict? Are we willing to live with the misunderstanding? Are we willing to stay faithful to Jesus when others do not understand? Are we willing to live for Jesus when others will reject us because of it? Are we willing? Are we willing to live for Jesus because others will separate themselves from us 
simply because of that. Are we willing? That's what we see in Thessalonians. Okay? So as Christians, our response to this hostility is always love. This is what we see. This is what we see Paul encouraging them to stay in. He emphasizes love time and time again. Makes a huge emphasis of love because conflict has the ability to bring out the worst in us. Conflict can bring out the religion in us. Conflict can bring out the pride in us. Conflict can bring out the insecurities in us. Conflict can bring out the compromise that's in us. You see what I'm saying? And so, but, but our response to hostility for being a Christian is love. All right? As Christians, we must meet spiritual opposition with grace and generosity toward people. Somebody say amen. All right? Grace and generosity towards people. Um, I think, you know, we also must meet the conflict, the opposition we experience as believers because being a Christ follower is counter culture. Uh, we're going to have to deal with it. And I, I would say also a response to this must be must be an unwavering determination to walk with Jesus through it, to stay faithful to the Lord, stay faithful to the word, stay faithful to what he's called you to do. Don't allow the, the conflict, the opposition, the persecution, the trial, the misunderstanding, the, 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 the response that this world is going to have as a result of you being a Christ follower, don't allow that pressure to cause you to lapse in the faith, to cause you to shipwreck in the faith, but be a person as we see that this body of believers was. They had an unwavering resolve to continue to be faithful to Jesus, okay? And we must, we must learn this. We must learn, as I said, to embrace and navigate the conflict, okay, that the Christian life causes. Can I get an amen? And so here it is, my next point, folks. Our response to hostility, okay, from this world is love. Our response to hostility is love, all right? Here we go. We're gonna close the chapter here. First Thessalonians chapter five, uh, verse 23 to 28. We're gonna read, we've read all of First Thessalonians five, not too long of a chapter, only 28 verses, but here we go. Now may the God of peace himself, this is his closing prayer. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us 
Read all the brethren with the holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And so here is my last point. Um, as followers of Jesus, you know, our lifestyle is all about three major things. And we see these three things in Thessalonians. And so once again, culture conversations, this communities in a very hostile, intense, hyper-sexualized culture. Looks a lot like what our world is today and fastly becoming. And there's three things that Paul emphasizes to them. Think about this. Paul may never see them again. He tried to see them time and time again and could not. He had to, he had to flee from their presence twice. And they grew in great love for one another, right? Paul and this community of believers. And if you look at Thessalonians and we just look at the big picture, there's three things he says. Hey guys, this is what are staples of our life. This, this, is, this is the Christian life, guys. Like these are the three main things. Stick with this. These three things are holiness, love, and future hope. Let me say them again. Holiness, love, and future hope. He's saying, hey guys, live for Jesus. And that is going to be counterculture. Live gave them, as we talked about last week, this plea for sexual purity, right? Don't, don't be like the world. He's like, don't be like the Gentiles who don't know God. You guys know God. Holiness matters. The way we live matters. Being a person of prayer, of praise, worship, fasting, seeking the Lord, finding out what the will of the Lord is. That he, and he closed with this prayer that he would sanctify. That's where we get the word holy. Hagios, hagiosmos. That, that he would make your whole spirit, soul, and body Holy, your whole being, not like compartmentalize. I go to church, but I just kind of live how I want. No, that he would sanctify your whole vessel in holiness. He was telling the church, guys, and I'm telling you today, holiness before God matters. Being separate unto God matters. Being sanctified for God matters. Allowing him to touch you and to heal you and to sanctify you and to make you holy. Living for God matters. Our lifestyle of holiness, it matters. The next one, love. Love the brethren. He encouraged them in love. He, he knew, man, it, it was so hostile. He's like, man, you know what's gonna keep you guys going, man? You gotta keep, stay, you know, keep love going. He was telling them stuff like, man, be patient with all, man. And, and show love to the unruly by warning them. And so you see in his language, in his context of love in Christian community, you see it that he was saying as he, he told the Ephesian church explicitly, speak the truth in love. And here in, Thess in Thessalonians, he, he spoke about love, but he, 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 he kind of described that phrase he told the Ephesians more broadly, I think, in Thessalonians by saying, hey, you know, um, you know this, this is, you know, how we love folks, right? He's like, man, warn 
the unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, don't render evil for evil. And so he had this thing, he's like, man, Christian community is about being people that are committed to the truth of God's word and equally committed to loving people through their mess. Loving people while they're in their mess, whatever that mess might be. He's saying, man, be patient with all. How many of you know, man, relationships, for them to last, patience is requisite, okay? So holiness, love, love. I think we gotta get those things. We gotta, we, those gotta be main things. I mean, according to Thessalonians, those are main things. According to what's going on in culture, what, what's, what's a distinguishing factor of, of Christ and his body? Holiness and love. In the last one here, he emphasizes future hope, or we could say it a different way, eternal hope. That, hey guys, living for God, holy, entirely surrendered, a holy life, and loving people unconditionally. Those two things are a battle sometimes, and it's a war. But he's saying, hey guys, Paul's, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's, he's saying, in essence, this life, the Holy Spirit will empower you to do it, and it is worth it. Because this world is not our home. We have a future hope. We have a future hope. We have in Christ an eternal hope. He is coming again. And if he should tarry, we will be with him when we die. Come on, somebody. Somebody say amen. So once again, here we go. I'm going to pray now. As followers of Jesus, our lifestyle, our lifestyle, Christian life in culture is, th is about three things, and that is holiness, love, and a future hope. Let me pray for you. Father, right now I just pray for everybody watching and or listening to our podcast today, and I pray, God, that you would stir in them a willingness and a desire to clean up whatever's unclean, to live a holy life before you, God. Not by their own works, not by their own efforts, but to truly live for you, to live pure sexually, to live pure in motive, to, to give themselves to you, Jesus, to wholly give themselves entirely to you, that God, my prayer, as Paul's prayer for the Thessalonican church, the Thessalonian church, Lord, was that you, God, would sanctify them completely and that their whole spirit, soul, and body would be preserved blameless unto your coming. That's my prayer for them, God, that you would sanctify and make holy their whole spirit, soul, and body, their entire being. Lord, we thank you, God. God, we don't get to we don't get to um, 
compartmentalize what we surrender to you, but we surrender our entire being, every part of us, every every nook and cranny, every every piece, every part of our being, we surrender and we yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, make us holy. And Lord, I pray that you would stir love in them, love for their neighbor and love for their enemy, love for those dear to them and love those that are persecuting them. And I pray, God, you would stir in us, God, that eternal hope. Lord, I pray that eternal hope would be alive inside of us, that we would not be so locked into this world that we lose sight of eternity with you, Jesus. I just pray all of these things for your people, God. In Jesus' name. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And my prayer is that you go out there and you change your world through the power of Jesus Christ. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings and follow us on social media and check out our website at hopelandla.com. Peace.